Nailed it. Hey, I'm Bob. I'm Jake. We are Nailed, Nailed it, it the, the podcast. podcast. We're getting better at that. We are. Yes, it's synchronization. This is episode eight. eight? Episode yeah. eight. Yep. Episode eight. And uh, with this episode, I wanted to bring to the table. Uh, I know we've talked to about you know our start in music and things like that. Kind of how we got started. What we started playing with, uh, like drums and guitars and things like that. But I wanted to talk about on this episode uh, musical influences, like what got us into being a musician kind of sprout from there, where where we got started or who we were listening to that made us really want to be who we are. Okay. If that makes sense. That's fair. That's fair. Well, well go go right ahead then, please. I'm, you, you thought about this, so you probably have it queued up and ready to fly. I mean, I'm always ready to talk about my favorite musicians and things that got me into music. For me, it started when, good Lord, I, I'd have to say five, six years old. I was given a burnt copy of the Dazed and Confused soundtrack. And one of the first songs on that track uh, was No More Mr. Nice Guy by Alice Cooper. And one of the other CDs that I had gotten was The Very Best of Kiss. And the first song I had heard off of that was Detroit Rock City. So from the get-go, I was hearing Alice Cooper and Kiss, which, like, you you know me. You know my interests in music, and you know that Kiss is a gigantic one for me, as well as Alice Cooper. Going back to the Days and Confused soundtrack that I had, it was a two-disc co- collection. I had my little portable uh, CD player, if you remember when those used to be a thing. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I used to have this little Ninja Turtle portable CD player and I would switch discs from disc one to disc two because there was about two songs on one that I liked and two songs on another that I liked because I didn't care to listen to any other song that was on there. But I knew No More Mr. Nice Guy and School's Out were on one disc and I'd switch over and then also ACDC was on the other disc. So I'd switch back and forth. (laughs) This all sounds amazing. (laughs) Just right up my alley musically. I was going to say, I know bands like Alice Cooper, ACDC, and Kiss are right in your repertoire. Yeah, they're really high on my list of things <laughs> I don't listen to. Uh, but they're, I mean, they're classics for a reason, and obviously they hit a nerve for you So as a, as a youngster. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to the point where when I finally got to see Kiss, uh, when was that, 2019, I think? Is when I saw Kiss. It was the summer of 2019. Their opening song was Detroit Rock City. F- just for me, that felt like such a full circle moment because that song got me into my taste in music. And the first song hearing from these guys was that song. I don't know that 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 made me feel like almost kind of emotional when I heard that. What what about you? Like when you, what was one of the first bands or the first band or song that you heard that got you into music? Well, I, my my musical journey is a little different than yours. Uh, although I've always listened to music, I was always a popular music guy. Whatever's on the radio, I liked what I liked. I listened to what I listened to because I I had no aspirations of being a musician, mind you. I just that's what I was doing. So that's where I grew up. My love for 80s stuff and uh my huge love for Huey Lewis and the news I but I also I grew up in you know a suburban almost country setting 
Um, so of course it was, as I got into my teens, I had a very good friend of mine, my, my brother from another mother, Ryan Trosel, who's like, Hey, listen to this. This is NWA. <laughs> this is ice cube. You're not supposed to listen to this stuff. <laughs> so I started going from listening to pop radio to, you know, I, I really always was a kid enjoyed Michael Jackson and stuff like that. And I didn't realize how musical that stuff or like, you know, what that gave to music. Yeah. You know how in, important it was at the time. It was just, Oh, that's what's, that's what's cool. Right. Um, but listening to hip hop, like hardcore, you know, at the time with a, then turned gangster rap. I don't think that's a thing anymore. Made a huge difference in what I thought music was supposed to be. How you delivered, how you lyrically things are put, how you tell a story. Right. So that, I think, without knowing it, was informing what I liked about music. What I like about being a singer. I wish it would have been, it would have given me more of what I, more push to write, but it, that's beyond a point. But I didn't get into performing till I was in my mid-20s. Okay. I was literally your age when I first time I was on stage, all but. I, when I turned 21, I started working with a guy, uh, a guy named Jason, a fellow named Jason Fry, Jay Money. Um, and at the time, he was in a very locally and starting to somewhat be regionally uh, big band called Partial Post. They were very big around here, the late 90s, early 2000s, the new metal scene, that kind of okay. thing. And I started working with Jay, and he's like, hey, come see my band. I'm like, I don't do that. I've seen like one concert in my life, buddy. I don't. <laughs> Going out to see them not only do covers, and at the time it was, you know, your hard rock stuff, Godsmack, Stain, all that stuff, the early 2000s, late 90s, Limp Bizkit, stuff that was big then. Right. Well, again, new metal stuff. But they also had original stuff. Now, Jay was a very rap rocker. Um, he definitely was a rapper. He was very good on his feet. Lyrically, um, he could freestyle pretty well. And they just, but they had good, that good, you know, West Borland-y kind of vibe going. And I really just got taken into the scene big time. So I would say as a whole, that genre of music is what got me. And watching other live performers, um, I was at a point in my life then I was like, well, why not be in a band? I've literally seen worse bands than this. Right. So I can do this. Yeah. It took me 20 years, but to get to be, feel like I'm comfortable at it. I would say back when I started, one of my biggest influence was Stained. Really? They were huge outside of just hit big and then it's been a while. And I really just loved Aaron Lewis's voice. And that old stuff I really do still enjoy. Yeah. Um, but I was like, that's that's the kind of thing I want to do. We're going to do this. That's the kind of stuff I want to write. That's the kind of feel. It seems like it's just so, it's not doesn't go track back. It seems like it's so recent, although it's not anymore. It's 20 plus years old. The Lincoln Parks, the Limp Biscuits, the Corns, And not even Corn at the beginning. It took me a while to get into them. Just that style of music was what I really connected with. I was in my mid-20s. I'm like, this is what I... This is what I want to do. This will be here forever. Right. This will never go out of style. <laughs> and that's where it started. But that's also right around that same time where I started to develop my, I first heard, started to develop my love for Benjamin Benjamin. Okay. So if there's going to be one thing that really influenced where I thought I wanted to go, it was my obsessive listening to Breaking Benjamin. Um, their first two albums, I've probably listened to those more than any other thing in my life, you know, if I was keeping track. So that's the kind of stuff that got me going early on. But, in, you know, in my youth, again, it was whatever was on the radio. I, I Like, I got, I really clicked with Huey Lewis my whole life. I just, at one point, I used to call it a guilty pleasure, and I realized there's nothing guilty about liking that music. Greatest pop writing uh, band and, and person, I think, in the last 40 years. I always knew that you were a big Huey fan. Oh, yeah. I always kind of forget, though, your love for, like, NWA and that genre. Well, not just that genre. And that stuff I'll still listen to this day because I have – I sound like a grumpy old man here, but <laughs> I have an issue with current hip-hop probably for the last 10 or 15 years because it's 
Honestly, it's terrible. Oh, um, yeah. It's generational. I don't think that current stuff tells a story as concise and well laid out as the old stuff does in hip hop. It wasn't just that my buddy introduced me to NWA and all that gangster stuff. It was, I got through him and through another friend, I got introduced to Tupac. Okay. And it may seem weird for people that would think of me in that light. That man, to me, was the greatest that ever picked up a mic in the hip hop scene because there's a story there. He explained to me his life in a way that I would never have understood. Okay. You know, all the rappers then were talking about what was going on in their hood and what, you know, their lives coming up, the poverty, Compton, whatever. But something about the way he explained where he grew up and he, it just reached out to me in a different way. And that's, that really kept me away from rock music for a long time. Not because I didn't like it. Yeah. But I didn't have any interest in it because that was what I, how I wanted my music delivered to me. Okay. I'm glad I had that influence. And I'm, I think that informs who I am as a cover artist now. That's why I'm not afraid to just try anything. I'll go out of out of genres, whatever. I don't want to get pigeonholed into, oh, you guys just do that. Yeah. Because I like everything, and I don't see why anybody else can't. I was a little hesitant. Again, we talked about this before, the country stuff I do now, mm -hmm. a few songs. But it's the same thing. People like it. Why shouldn't we do it? Right. That's the kind of stuff that influenced me, but I didn't grow up playing instruments either. Again, I didn't start doing any of this until I was in my mid-20s. Right. I was in choruses and band when I was in middle school and stuff. I played drums. I think we've talked about that before. But yeah. Specific artists, none of that hit me until I was in my mid-20s, and the first influence was probably Stain, but it very chiefly became Breaking Benjamin. Okay. Yeah. For me, when I like decided that I wanted to you know, play music and be a front man or just be someone that's on stage and entertaining was I used to go see my older brother's band play at like under 20 fest at, at Lebanon Valley college shows like that. And I was like, that looks like so much fun. And I, en I enjoyed the music they played and it was think of like tone, the tonality of like a bullet from my Valentine with the writing style of 80s hair metal. Well, that's not that far off because Bullet from My Valentine's a band that I'm very much into, and they consider themselves more of a like a thrash metal band and the yeah. 80s style than what they were lumped into the metalcore stuff they were pumped into. And if you listen to them enough, that makes sense. So what you're saying doesn't seem like too far apart, really. So I'd go see them, and I wanted to do this so bad, and then listening to bands like kiss and alice cooper and watching how they performed on stage with like all the theatrics and things like that made me love the theatrical side of being a frontman and just being an, an entertainer so when i got, finally got into you know singing and things like that and wanting to be a performer i didn't know how to be entertaining no one does no one does but this is what changed it my older brother he had a vhs tape of skid row and it had a live performance of them doing the song monkey business when sebastian Bach, he comes out and he hits that big high note in the very beginning and you see him twirling the mic with the cable and everything and he's just running around jumping and you know just being who he is on stage made me realize like okay you kind of have to go in with the zero care of what people think of you, I guess, essentially. Right. In order to put on an entertaining performance. Yeah, sure. If you did these moves just out in the open w without being on stage, it'll look goofy. But if you do this on stage, people are going to see a character or see a depiction of you. Right. There's a there's a persona. Yeah. 
all I had to do was see that video, that live video once. I kind of knew how or what I wanted to do. It, essentially, like how I wanted to move, how I wanted to portray an onstage persona in in my own band. Well, and you, so you studied it almost theatrically. Yes, which I never did. One of the fun, more fun things, one of the the interesting things that would always happen to me when I first started out, my first couple of years was I would play somewhere with someone I went to school with or grew up with had it since I had moved from home. And uh, they were like, wait, you get up in front of people and sing? Like, I wasn't very vocal. I was vocal around my friends, you know. Yeah. But I was not uh, one of those guys that, you know, was into out, out doing plays or, you know, you know, watching like, oh, I'm going to copy that every move or this or that. I So I had no idea how to perform on stage when I got on. My stage performance was informed by, previously mentioned by Jay Money. I watched him so much i think i started just doing what he did so i didn't really know what my thing was for years i was i you know back in the days when i had to use a corded mic because like lord knows at that time affordable there was no such thing as an affordable wireless microphone although that was the shining jewel of what I, my first time i got a wireless mic the handheld because i wasn't playing I was oh, like, oh my, my god. god i used to just hold the cord wrap the cord like some guys do you know guys all have their thing yeah I would wrap it a couple times in my left hand and just hold it on my chest really? and sing. And there's plenty of pictures back in the day. I was just literally just holding my hand there, the left hand on my chest the whole time, just kind of standing there. I had no stage presence other than being there. Huh. Um, and I also very much, I was a very much a guy who would put his leg up on the monitor all the time. It became a running joke that I, some of the girls that used to come out and see us, our, our friends would stand in front of me and, at shows and, do the Captain Morgan, basically. But I, I had to find, and I don't know what my thing is, totally different game these days because I play guitar. As the only singer in my band and playing guitar on top of that, I don't get to do anything but stay at my microphone and play. Yeah. Like, that had that was an adjustment I had to make, too, because every other project I ever did up except for acoustic stuff was I was free to do whatever. I could move around. I like that. You know, that's why when I get to do Fell From Zero gigs, or even the next to nothing gigs, I get to move around. Yeah. Then I developed what I, you know, what I do. There's things I do on stage. There's things I consciously know I, I've developed over the years that I do. Like, oh, this is the this is where you do hit this, or this is you're going to switch hands here. Yeah. You know, from doing repetition of bands. So I guess, I mean, I guess years of all those other things just got me there. You know, all the influences, all the other musical styles and watching people i mean i'm sure i've watched plenty of videos over the years i mean music videos actually used to be a thing in my day <laughs> and i've seen lots of stuff that i could draw from and think back and think oh yeah that's what i was trying to get at yeah i don't think any one of the there's no singular thing for me like you have specific instances where you're like that i watched that over and over or i listened to that over and over and it gave me this idea yeah i don't know that i think i listened and watched things over and over but not with the intent of learning from it okay. i think i learned from it because i watched it so much okay you know what i mean like i, I had no specific focus because again i i didn't grow up with rock star dreams or a guitar in my hand i hell i didn't start playing guitar till i was 39 like i i just don't not seriously i just think that everybody finds a way a different way and for you it sounds like you had a very specific path yeah once you knew it got you early enough for me, music was entertainment, was a getaway, um, as much as reading a book or watching a movie. You know what I mean? It had an entertainment value. Yeah. It sounds to me like for you, it was something you wanted to hold on to and get to. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Like from the from the time I saw those artists, you know, Alice Cooper, Skid Row, and Kiss, ACDC, 
seeing how they acted and everything, it seemed it seemed to me like that was almost like, in a sense, like a get like a way to get away from the reality. You know, be a character or be a persona that you want to portray and be the entertainer that you want to be. Right. It's almost kind of like the uh, the thing that Gene Simmons always says when he want when he said about you know when he formed Kisses they wanted to be the band that they that they never saw. In a sense, it was kind of the same thing where it was you know I wanted to be the performer that I thought people should see, or people would want to see. Right. I may be wrong, but <laughs> well, no, but that's a great way to go about it. Yeah. So you know, I I I absolutely get that. That's probably I don't think you necessarily have well you have a unique perspective or story because everybody's is unique everybody nobody has the same story right but yours isn't necessarily something that's not the same kind of track other people have followed right you know there's probably people who have kind of the same kind of idea about whatever artist they fell in love with and what watched you know and one of the musicians about it um i guess i just i've always come to it from the I, like I, i'm always playing catch up okay um i started after everybody i know that's in the scene all the guys that are in bands with were playing their whole lives, got it, you know, or started years and years before I did. I always have been the one like, well, I want to, I want to be part of this and I've got to play. I got to start running while, while they're walking so I can be right. on the same level. And I think that's a, that's why I do so much over the years, getting so many projects, do so many things. Uh, my love and interest in doing all this sometimes supersedes my need for a day off. <laughs> it also, I, I work really hard to be as good as some of the guys I know that were born with it. Right. I, I believe I was born with an artistic talent that lends to music. I, you know, I used to draw a lot mm -hmm. and I was a big comic book guy. I mean, I'm, I guess I still am not big, but I mean, I guess I still am a guy. I found it. Music became where my art outlet was and I stopped picking up the pencil, stopped writing, stopped doing things. You know, so you used to, I used to also try and write, you know, like short stories and stuff. Yeah. I found that music's where I want to be, but because I waited so long, I always feel like I'm two steps forward or one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there's always somebody that comes along like you, for instance, that makes me realize how much time I wasted and how much I still have to learn even though I'm getting older every day. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop doing that. It's what I like to do. So, right. And that comes from the very first time I thought, that's cool. Is that a song? You know? And at what point in our lives do we, how young are we when we realize we understand music? When our mothers or our dads are singing it to us right. in the crib, do we recognize it then? You don't, you won't remember that. Right. You're, I don't think we're physically capable of remembering that, but it's interesting what music can mean to people. So it's funny like that you mentioned that because when I was, from what I was told, and this is actually from, uh, this was told to me by a mutual friend that we discovered. It was a mutual friend about a year or two ago, uh, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember how we discovered this, right. my former uh, daycare teacher or whatever you want to call whatever she was, uh, basically used to watch me in daycare, uh, had told me, you know, not too terribly long ago uh, that even when I was that young, I always had a draw to music she used to play music and i'd sit there right by the but but like the little boom box and listen to it whatever cd or cassette tape she'd put in right 
and would play through the whole daycare center, I used to sit right by it just because I wanted to listen to it. I can't confirm nor deny that because that would sound like something I would do. Even from that young of an age, music was a big part of me, but it wasn't so much that I wanted to perform it as much as I just wanted to listen and enjoy music. Right, I got you. And then, you know, the whole Alice Cooper thing and uh, from what I was saying in the beginning. Right. Well, you got it, it all comes around again, you eventually. Yeah. Another similar story that had happened actually within this past year. I had gotten a message on Facebook from my elementary school music teacher. She had uh, sent me a message basically saying, like, I'm so glad to see that you're doing something with music. And from what she says, I don't, again, do, don't remember this. She had told me that I was never big into, like, into being seen as a musician in school, which I don't remember, won't deny it. You just don't, you're not sure. Yeah, she used to be like, oh, you were always so shy to play music, like, when we pull, like, pull students up to the front and everything. She's like, but I'm so glad to see you, like, up on stage and doing music to the point where she said her kid watches my videos and wants to be like me. Oh, now you're influencing the youth of America. Apparently, which is terrifying. <laughs> and But, j like, just that right there made, made me feel real good. That's cool. Re rewinding back to influences, once I actually wanted to start playing music and, you know, playing guitar, there was a lot of uh, influences that I would watch. The main ones that I took from were artists like Mick Mars from Motley Crue, Alex Leipzig from Rush, one of my closest friends, his name's Chaz DiPaolo. I've, I've, I've mentioned him on a previous yeah, episode. Yeah. When I saw him play for the first time the day I met him, I was instantly hooked. He got me hooked into that blues scene. I, have, I can't call it a soft spot because I will always listen to it. It sparked a love for blues music. With artists like B.B. King, Albert King, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, Buddy Guy, artists like that, which opened a whole new world, not to make an Aladdin reference, but a whole new world of music. <laughs> no one would have known that <laughs> until you made it a thing. Anyway, go on. But I try to pull from all of these different genres as a guitar player, because, you know, over all the instruments I play, I'm a guitar player. Right. Hands down. I'll pull from artists like Mick Mars or CeCe uh, DeVille from in that 80s hair scene, which you know I love so much. But then I'll also pull from the Stevie Ray Vaughns, the Buddy Guys, or go in a little somewhere in between and pull from Ace Fraley, who was another big influence. So a lot of those, you know, sometimes I'd call them... Uh, stereotypical influences weren't so much an influence on me as some other guys like i see i've talked to a lot of people and you know you'll meet the people who are like oh slash is my my biggest influence he's also the biggest influence to thirty thousand other people which you know nothing nothing bad about that if slash is what got you into playing cool that's just not what got me into it you see you you have such a well-rounded sounds like a really cliche thing to say but you, you do. You have a very uh, widespread, full spectrum of things that you that influence you and how you play and what you do. I mean, I guess anybody that's in music, if you don't, I don't see how 
you keep going. Like what's what's the point of playing all the time if you're not influenced by other things? Like I've met guys who are stuck in this is the kind of music I do. This right. is the stuff I'll always do and just don't even like listen to anything else. And I, I just I feel that's a little closed minded, although to each their own. I'm not uh, well, I was just saying I'm not here to judge. I'm clearly judging people, but <laughs> whatever you're into you're into i guess it's just you don't i don't feel there'd be any growth in if you're a musician and you're trying to learn or play or write you, you get nowhere if you just keep doing the same thing over and over i'm not saying you shouldn't develop your own sound or go back to it you know if you try and do something different doesn't work out and you go back to what you think works a lot of big bands do that right but if you don't expand your horizons a little bit you're only going to get so far or do so much right so that's just my opinion, and, and this is our podcast, so I can say what I want. <laughs> it's my show, and I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> That's the way it was, and we liked it. <laughs> now, I'd say within the past three and three to four years, through many different people that I've met, my uh, influences and tastes have grown, I should say, because of discovering bands like... Uh, Fleetwood Mac, which I know it's not really discovering, but I guess it could be. Well, it, it is just because you're aware of a band of you know that's that you know storied and, and been around so long doesn't mean you know their music. Right. I was introduced to Fleetwood Mac, but it turned out that I actually knew a lot more Fleetwood Mac than I thought. Discovering some of the heavier side of things in that realm. Prior to that, I knew of that genre, and I somewhat listened to that genre, but it wasn't much. But now it's become almost a staple to my writing style. And right. and you've heard some of my last few written songs for Right, you're definitely, Lestexia. that's definitely that track. Yeah. And things like that have really become a staple in the past three, almost four years. I think that people will always find their way to a thing they like, whether it's music or arts or whatever, football, you know, whatever. But it depends. Some people don't have the dedication to go far than, oh, I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I think that's what sets artists apart from the plebes, the, the, <laughs> the regular folk, you know, the, the people who are just want artists from the entertained. Yeah. Some people want to be the audience. Some people want to be the art. Um, and music is probably a shining example of that. And, and you've made that point by showing that uh, your influences can be all over the place and can come from anywhere. At, like, at any random time in your life, something is introduced to you that you didn't know was there. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you said when you started this was you were introduced to Alice Cooper. You were introduced to Kiss. You were introduced to them through, by way of a movie soundtrack. Yeah. Which... That could be a whole podcast episode about how good movie soundtracks can be and how bad they can be. <laughs> I introduced you to some uh, one soundtrack gem of my youth last week, uh, which does not hold up all that great in the times, but it's still... It's so good. <laughs> it, uh, uh, folks, what I'm talking about is the Transformers the Movie soundtrack from the animated movie from 1986. Uh, it was big for my childhood, but it's just basically a 50-50 split of instrumental songs that are in the... You know, for the score and just 80s hair metal um, bands that probably weren't much, but they tried to sound like other bands. And I know that's Jake's bread and butter some days. 
So I let him hear some of it, and he was astounded. How, I loved how every good it was. And I was like, <laughs> you know, ten-year-old Bob is right on board with you, buddy. Although I did sit there just singing along to every song still to this day because I listened to that so much. But yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of things, but that I wouldn't put that. I'd put that as a top soundtrack from my my personal life. Okay, as stuff that influenced me. But going back to it, like we just did a week ago. Yeah. It's not something I need to listen to tomorrow again. Like it, but there are there are things out there that I think movies are a great way, or TV shows nowadays. They really use musical on TV yeah. shows, but movies are a great way to introduce people to something they've never never heard before. Oh, absolutely. Um, we touched on when we were doing that little memory lane stroll of uh, the Bill and Ted soundtrack. Uh, How there was stuff on there that I just good thought, ones on yeah, there. I, you know, I can only listen to so much Firehouse, or <laughs> it's just. I think that there's so many ways that music can get to you and cause you to have these influences. Yeah. That get us to where we are. And then it changes. And you said that, you know, you've grown into the wage war and the metalcore scene, so to speak. And, you know, 10 years ago, nobody, you wouldn't have listened to that. Yeah. You could have, but you, that was not what you were into. Um, and we get older, we get different things influence what we're doing too. Is, uh, it, kind of winding back to how you were talking about like TV shows and, you know, movies and the soundtracks from them influencing us w- one big one that i will always claim was an influence to the style of music i listened to aside from you know the whole alice cooper thing was i used to love watching the vhs tape of a cartoon called extreme dinosaurs oh i remember that do you remember extreme dinosaurs wow. it's on um it's on tubi of course it is and the theme song was so good and you can tell it was the music of the times it was this like 80s not hair but it was this 80s like hard rock theme and i was like this is awesome and also biker mice from mars what a terrible teenage mutant ninja turtles ripoff but anyway which has one of the best cartoon soundtracks of all time oh i absolutely loved the ninja turtles but yeah like Basically, all those shows like Biker Mice from Mars, uh, Extreme Dinosaurs, Street Sharks, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowboys of Mumasa. All right, all right. Now we're just going down a blatant uh, like uh, copyright law lawsuit here. So all of those cartoons always had good music, and they were all kind of I think minus Cowboys of Mumasa. They all had the, that like hard rock style theme. Right, I used to watch constantly, and I a lot of it was I wanted to watch it because I loved the music in it. I loved the theme songs. I loved the outro music when the credits would roll on the tapes. It was just such a good way to hear new music. Right. Oh, dude, 80s and 90s TV, like cartoon show themes, were just over the top and on purpose. Because nowadays you don't even get a theme. There's nothing that can inspire kids now to like music. Oh, no. It's like well, TikTok. I mean, that I is think, what, that's what does it. Uh, yeah, but TikTok gives you snapshots of stuff that isn't the full song. I've been fooled by TikTok thinking, yeah, that's a cool beat. Or that's a cool little line or cool little 30 seconds of a song. Then I go listen to the song. I'm like, the rest of this is awful. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have picked that out of a crowd of songs. I, I don't know. That, that I guess that's generational, too. I like to, I try to keep up best I can, but. There's just stuff I'm not going to like, but that doesn't mean that, you know, some eight or 10 year old out there shouldn't get inspired. I will say, though, just to kind of counter that, 
I have heard some good tunes from TikTok artists. I oh yeah, there's there's definitely things that are good. Um, it's the stuff that becomes super popular that the whole song itself doesn't hold up to what they're using in a clip. Right. That I'll agree with. Or I've noticed in my my playings out, and you've actually seen this firsthand with the wedding not that long ago, the reception that played at Burning Bridge. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The younger crowd knows older songs because of TikTok. Yes. Not because their parents listen to it or any or they. They seek out 80s tunes to listen to. They know it because it come, becomes a viral hit in something, and then they go listen to it. Right. If that's going to make an old catalog of an artist fresh again, good. Everybody wants to live forever, and music is a good way to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, another one, so, like, in, in that realm of, like, watching something that gets you attracted to music uh, and keeping it alive, one other one for me was... Uh, <laughs> And, and I think you and I have talked about this off of recordings before, but I grew up watching reruns of The Monkees, and that was a big one for me. That was probably an influence for me, again, just like all things at that age. I didn't know it. It would eventually inform what I liked about music and what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I guarantee you that show had some kind of subconscious effect on me. Oh, yeah. For sure. The Monkees were like when i was looking at my first guitars like what i wanted as a first guitar i wanted a gretch because that's what i knew mike mike nesmith played well that's and that that's that's product placement number one yeah um whether they knew it or not it's not as it's not as obvious anymore or back then as it is today but yeah i like i wanted to play a gretch i wanted a green wool hat like i wanted to be mike nesmith for the longest time and you know, I was I'm forever fortunate to have been able to see the monkeys live when it was the last tour with Davey before he passed away. Well, that's awesome. It was at um the Hershey Theater. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, Mike Nesmith wasn't with them for that tour. I at least saw Mickey, Davey, and Peter. You saw you saw the monkeys. Yeah, I saw the monkeys. <laughs> the the TV show of the monkeys still carried through to, you know, my generation and obviously influenced me. And that kind of just to relate to, you know, TikTok keeping older music alive for this younger generation. Or purposely, as in some of the clips there, I ruined it. Those clips I sent all the time, like, you know, Taylor Swift's song by Johnny Cash. Oh, uh, I love those. <laughs> damn, damn AI is making things weird. <laughs> no wonder people are rallying against it. I loved the one you sent me of Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl. <laughs> I'm a Barbie girl. It's it it is it's fun. I I don't I don't hate that stuff like a lot of people do. I understand why there's certain creators that are against that. Yeah. But I think from the pure entertainment and fun aspect of it, I think it's really neat to hear some of the stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, I what I did, when did I play for you last weekend? Hetfield. It was James Hetfield singing something. Was it Britney? Maybe. I can't remember what it was, but it, I mean, it sounded just like him. Oh no! It was um it it was James Hetfield singing. The heart goes on, or my heart will go on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Celine Dion. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen a couple of the James Hetfield ones, and I think those are some of the best ones. Well, whatever the AI for James Hetfield's voice has got it <laughs> down. I loved the one. I actually just saw it today because fifty three days till Christmas. <laughs> it was James Hetfield singing Mariah Carey. Uh, <laughs> uh yep she's here folks she's thought as the out. time of this recording it is november 2nd and well 
Christmas is coming. <laughs> and I'm so excited. Jake's here for it. I get pretty excited like December 1st. No, as soon as you put the pumpkins away, the Christmas tree comes out. Yeah, I'm definitely. Oh, we're we're steadfast. There's no Christmas tree till after Thanksgiving. I grew up that way. We used to do it on like Thanksgiving, like day. Yeah. Uh, I we don't do it in our house till after Thanksgiving. Maybe Thanksgiving Day if we got stuff. You know, we're not too deep into family stuff. But my mom always had a rule that it would go up the day. It would go up on Black Friday. Black Friday was a big. Day. It was a. It moved into that for years too. Yeah, we uh, we'd go out shopping. You know, in the afternoon. Get get some Black Friday shopping done, come back in the evening, have a nice uh, Thanksgiving leftovers dinner, and then put the tree up. And put the tree up. Yeah, that works. And then we would always watch the same movies. Um, we would watch uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I mean, of all Christmas stuff. And for the longest time, believe it or not, I used to hate that movie. For as much as I love Christmas, I used to hate that movie. Uh, that's not my favorite. I I well, I mean I. I think for me, that is a that's actually something that fits into the conversation because Christmas is like a straight up musical holiday. Absolutely, there are so many classic songs written about Christmas. Yeah, there's not a shit ton of Halloween songs. There, I mean, more currently, you know, you got your Nightmare Before Christmas type stuff. Yeah, which my wife, I came home Halloween from work and she had on. I said, <laughs> "Are you watching Christmas movies already?" This is a Halloween movie. I said, I beg to differ. It's Christmas right in the title. That's like when people say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> and I believe that could end our whole podcast, Ron. <laughs> you don't say stuff like that in my house. <laughs> oh, what's the other one that if I If just... it was a it's a movie that's based at Christmas time, it's a Christmas movie by default. That's okay. That so... movie happens on Christmas Eve. <laughs> that's like I just had this argument the other day with my older brother. About saying how Batman Returns is not a Christmas movie. Uh, technically, it's a Christmas movie by 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 the rule of 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 the cinema gods. If it's made at the, around the Christmas holiday, like the Christmas holiday takes place in the the setting of the movie, it is a it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, that my God, Lifetime has built their whole network on that that promise. I I the, I'll settle with the Die Hard one, but I will. I will fight with the Batman one <laughs> just because that out of the four, I don't know if you want to call them original Batman movies, but out of those four movies, that is my least favorite one. You say two, the two original Batman movies. And then there was the one just last this year where they put him in another movie. The only Batman that mattered. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's two movies in there. You're, I think they were made for Nickelodeon or something. Oh. They're, not, they're not for consumption of people. Oh. I believe anything Joel Schumacher made was just a neon gay porn. <laughs> I, he may have actually called those movies that at some point. Oh, my God. No, I, I get that. I would never pull out that Batman movie and watch it at Christmas. Oh, it's Christmas time. Right. Um, and not that I thought growing up that Die Hard had to be watched at Christmas. Um, by no means. But it is set in Christmas, and I, I have fully gotten on board you know, these last 10 or so years when they made a big deal. It's yeah. a Christmas movie. They made a Christmas book out of it last two years ago. Did they really? They made like an old style, like golden storybooks. Oh, really? But it's a Christmas. <laughs> it looks like a, a Christmas book you read to kids. It's the story of Die Hard. That is fantastic. Illustrated pictures. Yeah, it's basically me meant to be a Christmas book. Yeah. They don't. 
Although I last I heard the director of the movie flat out said this isn't a Christmas movie. Well, did you ever see that clip of Bruce Willis? Oh, he well, where he's like Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. 53 days till Christmas. Let's always remember that yep. uh for the at, at the time of recording. Bells ring. Oh, that reminds me. I actually wanted to bring this up on recording. Uh I had an idea on the way here that I was going to run by you on recording. Oh, you want to get me to answer a yes or a no or something to this no, no, no. live so I can I can look like a dick when I back out of it later? <laughs> no, no, no. Sweet. Um, this was an idea I had had. I had had similar ideas in the past, but I really think that this, with the time that I uh, have from now until Christmas, I had this idea of a song that I wanted to do um, that I wanted to do a cover of the classic song do they know it's christmas by band-aid right but with the local scene how fast can we get this done uh i can have an instrumental you know me i can have an instrumental done in a weekend and i want to start reaching out to local singers to be a part of it and you know obviously i want to want you myself yeah other ideas i had were you know dave and um, I'm blanking on. The, I have a list that I had already started writing of people that I wanted to reach out and ask. Well, don't give a, don't give it away here. Then we no, no, no. no surprise. But yeah, th- this was something I had in mind that I wanted to do. That so by uh, Christmas Day, I'd like to have it released on Christmas Day, kind of like what I did last year uh, when I had released my cover of um, "All I Want for Christmas Is You" with. With Sarah. Uh, with Sarah from and also by. So I wanted to do, I want to keep that tradition rolling. I like it. I love this idea. Uh, but to, like maybe even get Central PA Music Hall of Fame involved with, uh, you know, promoting it. If we could do something where, you know, we set it up as a promo for a charity or what, whatever, you know, the same situation or the same scenario as. It could, it could have, it could have legs, is what you're saying. Yes, it, it could be used for the power of good instead of the power of evil. Right, and so I, because I, me driving here had Christmas music playing, and the original came on, and I was like, this could, because there's a lot of cool little bits in there, especially with the drums, you know, good old Phil Collins playing drums on that. There's so many good parts that could make such a good, rocked up version that we could get so many people involved i think it's a great idea and, and it's promotion for the local scene for the local bands in the scene uh to get involved with you know their their own styles and their own music in- influences to put into this vocally i should say um and then it also gets their name out there it does does something good for the community does something good for the scene you know and like you said it has legs that it could do a lot more that's that's a great idea. We're so, gonna we we shall move forward with this. I I uh, uh, put the vote. All in favor? Aye. I, I second that. We should, <laughs> the motion motion is passed. Motion is moving. That's a great idea, dude. I I would absolutely love to be a part of that. And I know a lot of our musician friends in the scene would love to be a part of that. So the the next step is basically I'm gonna go through the original and see how many vocalists are in it or have like solo parts see how many i would need to fill those spots right to see like okay uh like who's gonna sing boy george's part who's gonna sing 
George Michael's part. I have not listened to that song in a long time, too, even at Christmas. It's just not one that I think has popped up, so I'm more of a... I have a, I traditionally listen to Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC. If I don't <laughs> listen to that once, at least once a season, I get very humbuggy. Yeah, I think this is a good idea. Break it down, and we find out who's who's interested and how many people need to be interested and go from there. I, I We could... We could Definitely do that. Yeah, and like I said, the the goal is to have it released on Christmas Day. Well, we got fifty three days. We've got fifty three days to make this happen. So if anybody, if any of our singing friends see this live, I don't know. I can't read that from that far of who. I don't know who's. I think it says negative seven. Anyway, I'm (laughs) underestimating our popularity again. But yeah, if any of our singing friends have seen this live, as we've talked about this. You know, shoot me a message, shoot, shoot Bob a message. We want to make this a thing. Uh, yeah, I think we should. I think that's a great idea, and I, I know there's people. I know. I know you're all out there, and I know you guys would be interested in, in this, and I'm glad you saved that whole idea without saying anything to me until we were on air. I wanted to mention it so bad as we were, like, prepping to re- start recording. I was like, no, I need to save this. You got, you got me, you got me on, uh, on air very excited about it, so I, I think that's a good idea. What else you got? Anything else today? I'm, I don't think so. I think there's a good chance we could keep this one short. I think so. This, it's, could, this could be how it works from now on. We just need to have We recorded two weeks my... in a row. We're, we have something to talk about. It's coming in short. This is an editor's dream, and I'm th- the editor. I think we're finally coming down with a structure. <laughs> yes, sir. A subject per show, and we didn't ramble that much. And with that, I think that's probably it then. I think so. So, uh, as always, I'm Bob. I'm Jake. We are Nailed at the Podcast, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. As they say in the hip-hop, peace! Nailed it. Yep, get your wiggles out.